Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> Hello there. So glad to bid you welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm Chris Baker, your shopkeeper, and today I have something uh, very nice. Uh, it's an old award. Let's pull this down off the shelf and take a look at it. You'll notice the fine craftsmanship. It reminds one of an inverted caduceus symbol uh, used in the medical community, the intertwined snakes, the spread wings. But the rod of Asclepius is not so much a rod, maybe reminiscent more of a sword or a blade if you will this is very dangerous very sharp do not touch because this may or may not have been the same award awarded to one dr weaver in the 2021 james wan film malignant and that is what we're going to be talking about today on odds bodkin's curiosity shop so let's pull out the kinetoscope and see what horrors await us now, James Wan is no stranger to the horror genre. I really cut his teeth in horror. Some of the greatest horror franchises of the 21st century uh, since 2000, he's been a part of those. Of course, uh, a part of the Saw franchise, which whether you like it or you don't, uh, no one can deny that the success of Saw is uh, probably one of the most successful horror franchises uh, in the past 20 years. Of course, uh, responsible for uh, great uh Movie series like Insidious, The Conjuring, and uh, and the universes that lie within there. Now he's kind of gotten away from uh, horror a little bit as of late. Uh, been a part of Aquaman and Fast and Furious. He's been doing a lot of executive producing as opposed to directing. Uh, except for Aquaman, he didn't direct Aquaman. Uh, he's directing the upcoming Aquaman. Uh, but uh, I like. To see him getting back into his horror roots with Malignant. Uh, he's also going to be directing uh, Salem's Lot, the remake uh, of the Stephen King. Well, not necessarily a remake, just a, a new adaptation of the uh, Stephen King story uh, of the same name. Was also working on uh, Insidious 5, executive producing that. So uh, good to see James Wan getting back into the horror game because, uh, like I said, he's been responsible for some of the most. Uh, uh, successful horror franchises in the past 20 years and malignant is uh, i think an excellent example of what makes james wan so good at doing horror now i've, I've read some reviews mixed reviews uh, from quote-unquote critics but you know critics these days it seems like they just get off on uh you know trash talking movies they look for things to be wrong instead of just sitting back with a, a healthy dose of uh, suspension of disbelief and enjoying a movie for what it is is this a perfect horror movie no but it is a good horror movie well that remains to be seen and that's what we're going to talk about here uh, on odds bodkin's curiosity shop so uh, you know what if you haven't seen this movie yet uh, there are going to be spoilers. I'm going to try not to be too spoilery uh, until we get to the end, and I'll let you know when it's going to. But uh, I can't, I can't guarantee anything because uh, there's a lot to talk about in this, and you really can't do it without uh, spoilers. So uh, if you haven't seen the movie yet, 
Uh, you might want to watch it first. Uh, of course, it's out in theaters as well as on HBO Max. Um, watch it, come back, listen, and uh, and see if maybe you agree or disagree with me. Uh, if you don't mind spoilers, you know, I'm the kind of guy that, uh, you know, I'll read uh, a book uh, and then go watch the movie adaptation, or I'll watch the movie adaptation and then read the book. I don't mind spoilers. I don't like. I don't mind knowing. I'm, I like the ride. So, uh, so that doesn't bother me. So, if you don't mind spoilers, or if you've already watched it, uh, sit back and, and enjoy uh, hearing hearing my thoughts on it. And uh, maybe maybe we'll agree, maybe we'll disagree, but uh, but we'll find out. But again, spoilers ahead. So, uh, be forewarned. Now, this all starts off in 1993 with uh, a group of doctors, uh, the Dr. Florence that I mentioned, or actually Florence Weaver that I mentioned earlier, and uh, they're working at this research facility, Simeon Research uh, Facility, I believe. It's the it's the typical uh, big gothic um, uh, research facility institution, um, kind of on the cliff overlooking waters. They, you know, expect to see, you know, uh, it in the dark with lightning flashes everywhere. And I think it's pretty much how they set up, uh, this first scene, but you see Dr. Weaver and these other doctors, uh, Dr. Fields, Dr. Gregory working with this patient they refer to as Gabriel and uh, Gabriel has acquired special powers, uh, can control electricity, uh, can broadcast its thoughts through like radios as a as a as a speaker um, to be able to talk. And one night things things get violent and people die, and then we kind of uh, you hear the phrase, "It's time to to get rid of the cut out the cancer." Um, what are they talking about? You don't get a good look at Gabriel. You see, you know, images from behind curtains. Uh, it does look creaturey, but you see the feet and it's, it's almost like pink socks with panda bears on them or purple socks with panda bears on it. So, you know, it's a, it's a child of some sort, but you really don't know much else. And it really leaves a lot to the imagination, which I thought was a great way. I mean, right there, that first scene is what James is one of the things James Wan does really well with horror the uh the anticipation uh you know the the atmosphere was just you know you you could cut the tension in that scene with a knife and it was it was very eerie and spooky and had you know had some blood elements and gore elements you know not not too bad but um you got a little bit of that in that first scene and it just really set the table for a movie that I, you know, I have to, I have to say, watching the trailers leading up to this, I thought the movie was going to be one thing, and I'll kind of get into uh, the expectation versus the reality of what the movie, what I thought the movie was going to be, and what the movie was a little bit later on. But uh, the movie was so much different than I thought it was going to be. Watching the trailers and that scene really. Um, that scene really set up, uh, in my mind, how this was going to subvert all of my expectations. So fast forward to uh, 28 years, um, we find this pregnant woman, Madison. She's living in Seattle. Um, she's got a, a douchey, abusive husband. Uh, they've had miscarriages. 
she comes home. She's tired. She's, you know, uh, the baby's not doing very well. Uh, she just wants to take a nap. And he starts being uh, a douchebag. So uh, Derek and her, you know, have a little shove back and forth. And he shoves her into the wall and cracks her head up against the wall. And uh, it's so bad that it that busts the plaster uh, on this old house. And, and that's when things start to start to get bad uh of course she locks herself in he's sleeping on the couch in the middle of the night he hears these noises and gets up and the creepiness really starts right away you don't get a lot of i mean you get a little bit of character building you find out about their relationship uh briefly but you find out enough she's had multiple miscarriages he resents her for continuing to get pregnant um and, and continuing to have miscarriages and breaking his heart that way. Now, that doesn't um, absolve him of being an asshole and being abusive. But, uh, but, but you learn this about him and her and their relationship and the resentment that he's obviously built up. Um, you learn about her, uh, the type of person she is. She doesn't seem very, she's just very sad, uh, for lack of a better term. I'm sure there's some more flowery, uh, thesaurusy way to describe her, but she just uh, she has a melancholiness about her, a melancholic feel that uh, you get right away, um, without you know digging too deep into her, and then that kind of plays into to things later in the movie, as we'll find out. But uh, Derek sleeping on the couch, uh, stuff starts to go down. Uh, you know, blender turns on, refrigerator opens by itself. Some figure is sitting on the couch uh, with long, dark hair, and uh, it's there, and then it's not. Uh, one of the things I really loved about this movie is is James Wan. Uh, you know, there there were things you know akin to jump scares, but he he did play off of the um, something's there and then it's not sort of feel. Uh, movement in the background, sort of images in the background, uh, which which I love because that really sets uh, the mood. It sets the atmosphere. Uh, it adds a, a creepy, unnerving feel, and that's I I'll take that over like regular old jump scares. And that's not to say there's not some jump scares in this, but uh, I love that that creepiness that makes you have that uneasy feeling. You know, like somebody's uh, watching over your shoulder, breathing down the back of your neck, that sort of feel. Uh, he plays a lot into that. And that made, uh, for me, the the tension rise. And it made me feel, you know, it had that creepy feel, that creepy quality, uh, which I love in a, in a good horror movie. And so uh, Derek gets his comeuppance. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like I said, spoilers. I'm not going to tell you how, but it is... Um, it's a bit gruesome. Uh, you don't see a lot of blood and gore in the death, but the aftermath is is startling. <laughs> and, and, you know, everybody thinks it's an intruder. Uh, you get some detectives that show up. Uh, Detective uh, Kikoa Shaw and uh, Regina Moss, uh, played by George Young and uh, Michelle Brianna White which those two really uh, were fun characters in a 
in a scary movie. And, and you need that sometimes. Like I've said before, uh, you need a little levity to to cut the tension and give you a break from being bombarded with all this terror. And uh, these two um, provided that, some light moments, without being too jokey and without um, taking it out of the, the horror moments. I mean, it was done very well as far as, uh, you know, saving the comedy for the right times. Uh, little comments here, like I said, not jokes, not, uh, not winking to the camera. In any way, it didn't feel like that, at least to me. But uh, but they're treating her as a victim, and then all of a sudden, it really kind of turns into well, maybe she did it, and it kind of moves on from there. And yeah, it turns kind of uh, into not necessarily a straight up horror movie, but the psychological horror of something's going on, and everybody thinks she's the one. Uh, that's that's done it has committed this murder and and it turns into like i said a, a bit of a psychological horror in that regard of course after this uh whole event where uh, derek meets his untimely demise uh she wakes up uh, madison wakes up in the hospital uh the baby's gone her sister sydney is there and while this is going on uh a woman is kidnapped in the seattle underground uh, they do the tours there where they, they built uh, Seattle on top of the old city and, and that, uh, you know, they do tours and it's, it's again, it's another really creepy scene where, uh, you know, it's, it's in so much darkness and bumps in the night and weird noises. It's, you know, your typical horror stuff. Uh, it's not anything they not re you know james wan didn't reinvent the wheel on this scene but he just did uh you know the classic horror scene uh classically well and of course gabriel uh abducts this woman we don't know who it is at first i thought it was madison uh the actress who who plays um this character who we'll, we'll find out a little bit more of uh, later uh they call her jane doe to begin with uh jean louisa gray uh, or kelly uh she um, looks a bit like uh, Annabelle Wallace, who plays Madison, uh, Maddie, in this movie. So I actually thought it was her. <laughs> and to find out later that it wasn't, I was like, oh, well, wait a minute. That So, you know, it all kind of ties together later. But that was, uh, a, you know, it, there was confusion on my part, but it was for a, a reason, I think. Uh, but she gets uh, abducted, this Jane Doe. And during the investigation, uh, Sean Moss, they uncover a photo at Dr. Weaver's house, who also meets her untimely demise. Uh, they find this photo. They do the, the uh, you know, it's a child photo, and they do the aging on it and find out that, uh, that it is Madison. And all the while, all these doctors that we saw in the earlier part of the film, set back in 93, that were at this uh, Simeon Institute or research facility, uh, they're all getting picked off one by one. Uh, Madison and her sister also kind of have a heart-to-heart -heart talk. And it, it turns out that Madison, uh, Maddie, is uh, adopted and that her sister is not her her blood sister. It's an adopted sister, and she kind of you know she's upset about this uh, 
this uh, miscarriage that she had because she just wants to feel like some sort of blood tie to somebody. And, you know, you can tell her sister, um, Sydney is kind of, kind of put off by that because she always looked at her as a sister. Uh, she still does, whether she's adopted or not. And, you know, that's kind of a theme uh, that we'll find out later, a theme of this, this movie. Um, but they really set that up there. Um, you know, it's, is it believable that they've gone 30, almost 30 years and this was never brought up? Uh, I I don't know, but like I said, you know, you have to have, it's, it's, it's horror, it's fiction, it's fantasy. You know, there has to be some suspension of disbelief. Uh, but they end up going to, uh, their, Sydney's birth mother, uh, Maddie's adoptive mother and asking about this Gabriel because Gabriel has been contacting uh, Maddie and uh, and she wants to know, you know, if she can find anything out about him. Uh, so their mother uh, shows these old tapes where uh, Maddie has been, you know, essentially had this invisible friend. Uh, or at least what it seems is an invisible friend named Gabriel that was constantly trying to tell her to do uh, bad things. And, uh, and the videos that they played were, were kind of creepy. And you saw a little bit of those in the trailer. Um, that's one of the things I was, I was a little worried about uh, because the trailer uh, had a lot of spoilery things in it. Uh, but I, I found out like a lot of the the scares in the trailer happened early in the movie, and you know it, it really didn't give away too much, um, which is part of the reason why I thought this was a different movie than it really turned out to be. Uh, you saw some of these videos of a young Maddie uh, talking to this Gabriel and being filmed uh, while she's doing it, and and all the things that. You know, this Gabriel's, it's implied that Gabriel's trying to get her to do bad things and she doesn't want to. So they find this tape. They learn that uh, Gabriel was a part of her, this imaginary friend, but obviously he wasn't so imaginary because he's out killing people and, and you know, uh, making no bones about it, calling uh, Maddie. So, like I said, they did the uh, the aging on the old picture, found out uh, Shaw, uh, Detective Shaw, like I said, played by uh, George Young, who really was a, a rock star in this. I, I thought he did a fantastic job and and, uh, and, and played that, you know, that uh, detective with a young detective that uh, with the smoldering good looks and uh, always making eyes at the, the pretty girl. They just played that well. And uh, there's some, there's some scenes between him and uh, Moss, <laughs> the two of them. Uh, they were they're quite funny playing off of that, but uh, he realizes that this picture and this child that they got from uh, Dr. Weaver's house is Maddie uh, he connects the dots that these are doctors that have all had some dealings with Maddie, who was in this uh, Simeon Research Facility, and he finds the third doctor's dead body, and Gabriel's still there. And this is the first real, really good look we've gotten of Gabriel in this movie and there's a fight scene and a chase scene between the two of them and it's so 
uh, the the design on Gabriel was so odd and awkward, and it almost looked like, you know, at, at first glance, not knowing the outcome and the end game of this movie, uh, it almost looked like somebody uh, whose body was backwards. It was so creepy and and odd and the face uh, and the ha- long hair and wearing this like a uh, uh, long trench coat with the gloves it almost had a jeepers creepers uh kind of kind of feel to the look of it uh was quite creepy and the the chase scene um I, did it need the chase scene i don't know um but it was still it i think it needed that to show off what this what gabriel can do uh the gravitas to this character being the villain being the antagonist and having these you know powers of controlling you know energy somehow being able to project thoughts into radios and it's you know it it just amps up that this is a, a dangerous uh, being creature, whatever you want to call it, but uh, but at any rate, the detectives uh, enlist the help of a, a psychologist, and they put Maddie under hypnosis, and and it it works, but it doesn't turn out well. But you find out that her actual birth name is Emily May, and that Gabriel wanted to kill her unborn sister uh sydney uh adopted sister if you will and uh she came close to doing it um then all of a sudden the woman that we saw gabriel um abduct earlier it it cuts to her escaping and as she's escaping she's falls through this hole in the floor where she's trapped at and that hole happens to be the roof of Maddie's house. And uh, this woman falls right in the middle of the living room. And uh, and I, I should have uh, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, but uh, there's a scene where uh, Gabriel has this woman, this Jane Doe, uh, tied up in in what looks like a you know at, at first you're not sure what it is some some structure with rafters and and a big barn fan and he's up there she's tied up uh, to the wall and he is taking one of Doctor Weaver's trophies uh, that she won for uh, what was it outstanding or excellence in surgery. And it is that uh, uh, Caduceus uh, symbol upside down, and he knocks off the the snakes and leaves the wings like a almost like a handle, like a punch dagger, and then the the rod in the center is this um, pointed, uh, almost a long elongated triangle that he turns into a blade, and that's what he uses to kill. Uh, all these victims, these doctors that he's going after, and uh, and some of those kills are, are quite gruesome, uh, mind you. <laughs> but uh, but they go. It, it's funny because I'm watching it and he's doing almost like a metal shop handicrafts, and I was like, wow, uh, Gabriel 
and his time between here and the research facility that we saw earlier in the film has uh, has been watching some YouTube videos. <laughs> but but at any rate, uh, they find all that stuff up there: the coat, the gloves that uh, Gabriel wears. Uh, they find this this dagger that he's used to kill people. Uh, they find that you know sh- this woman, this Jane Doe, has been uh, trapped up there, and of course they blame Maddie for that and take her into custody. She's arrested, and so while she's arrested, uh, Sydney, her adopted sister, uh, goes looking for for something for answers. And she heads back to the uh, Simeon facility, which we find out has been shut down for years. But uh, facilities like this, they never clean anything out. They always leave their old shit sitting there, old uh, you know files and whatnot. It's never boxed up and shipped off anywhere. They just uh, turn the lights out, lock the door, and just leave the place to rot with all the stuff inside of it, apparently. Uh, again... You have to have some suspension of disbelief. Uh, but uh, she goes in there, finds more evidence that uh, Sydney and Gabriel have more of a connection than uh, anybody ever really knew. Um, we find out that Jane Doe is actually named uh, Serena May and is, is Emily May slash uh, Maddie's uh, biological mother. Uh, Sydney finds out at the Simeon Research Facility that Gabriel was, he and Maddie were kind of conjoined twins. Uh, but they, they go into the, the explanation of, of, uh, of what it is all medically, uh, how they weren't necessarily conjoined because Gabriel couldn't, uh, live on his own. Uh, they shared a bit of brain tissue and he required, you know, pretty much was leeching off of her. He was a bit of a kind of a parasite. And she saw in, in these test videos, how, uh, Maddie could see through his eyes. He could see through Maddie's eyes, um, because of this mental link, because of this, uh, shared brain and essentially kind of the evil twin thing, uh, her evil twin brother, and they ended up uh, when we saw the the scene from 1993 uh, to start off the movie, and Doctor Weaver says we're going to cut the cancer out. She meant they were removing Gabriel, what little body he had, uh, figuratively and literally. He did have a little body uh, on the back of Maddie with these little arms and grotesque face, and they they cut the body off and what little bit of head that he had and the bit of shared brain they couldn't they couldn't separate them that way so they essentially shoved him into her skull and uh sewed her up and voila you're you're good to go let's adopt you out to somebody but uh but weaver did the operation uh to cut out the parasite tumor uh so to speak and sewed him back into her brain, like I said. And it wasn't until Derek, early in the movie, when he smashed uh, Maddie against the wall, pushed her against the wall and, and cracked the back of her head that, that essentially woke Gabriel up, who had been dormant since uh, they were kids. 
And of course, Maddie is in this uh, essentially a drunk tank with a bunch of other women uh, because they've arrested her. She's w- waiting on whatever arraignment or or what have you, waiting for a cell. But uh, she's in lockup with uh, with all these other women, and she's starting to get pushed around. And Gabriel shows up, and and it's it's every bit of what um, you know. It's it's not mental. It's not all in her head. Uh, the back of her head kind of opens up. Gabriel's face comes out, and you realize uh, why in that chase scene between Shaw and Gabriel that it looked like somebody, their joints and everything were backwards because it was Maddie all along, essentially, uh, under the influence of Gabriel. And we'll, we'll, I'll kind of explain how that works in this movie, but... Uh, but Gabriel comes out and just lays waste to everybody in the in the drunk tank, uh, including the officer who, uh, for some reason, stuck his arm through the bars to shoot at uh, at Gabriel. Uh, that that never works out, guys. Uh, for any for any police officers or corrections officers or security guards never reach your arm through the bars to shoot anybody because you're going to get your arm snapped off or bitten off or broken in some horrible fashion, which happens here. But the way they kind of explain it is that Gabriel's always been there. Uh, Gabriel's been in her head. Uh, Gabriel, you know, he's got mental uh, telepathic abilities you know, he can project his voice you know he can't speak but he can project his voice through speakers and radios and whatnot he can suck energy or, or control uh, energy to lights and things like that so he has some sort of telepathic abilities and what he does is creates in maddie's mind uh, a scenario where she's just doing her everyday business while he takes control and does all these violent things, killing people, uh, all the violent things he wanted her to do uh, before uh, that she wouldn't do. He He's out and he can do them himself with the help of her body. And, and it was really kind of creepy and uh the thought of how he could do that he could take control of her and uh, that little uh gross face coming out of the back of her head was just horrific to watch um but anyway there's there's more gunplay outside i'm not a big fan of gunplay in horror movies um but this was a situation where they're in a police station and there are cops around and they've all got sidearms. And what are you going to do when there's somebody killing people in your precinct? You're going to shoot at them. So I, I get that. I, I I didn't mind it. It was, you know, it was appropriate for the setting. Uh, but like I said, I'm not a big fan of gunplay in horror movies just because yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's easy uh and easy action so to speak and i would rather be the the action be based in more hands-on uh ways if you catch my drift but at any rate uh gabriel escapes and they realize that uh, he's only got one person left uh it's to kill the mother 
and and then possibly uh, Maddie uh, in in some form or fashion. Maybe not. You know, they're they're still attached. But uh, Sydney, the uh, the adopted sister, heads to the hospital uh, because Maddie's birth mother is there, uh, Serena May, and. Gabriel shows up, Gabriel, a.k.a. Maddie, um, and he he wants to kill Sydney because, you know, he wanted uh, Maddie to kill Sydney when she was, you know, still in her mother's stomach uh, in utero and, and Maddie wouldn't do it. And he's torturing Sydney, you know, he's about to kill her and, you know, Sydney's crying for Maddie to... to to wake up and you can kind of see uh maddie in this uh state where you know like i said uh, in her mind everything's normal she's living her normal life because gabriel's taking control and you can see her in that normal life things starting to break down her starting to gain control and and it was it, I, I really liked it. You know, I'm sure some critics didn't like it, but I thought it was a great idea. Uh, you see Gabriel uh, blow Sydney's brains out, and then he goes to uh, and smothers uh, Maddie's and, and his biological mother. Uh, Shaw shows up, and there's like I said again, there's some gunplay, but uh, it, it's of little consequence. But uh, he he kills uh, Gabriel kills uh, his biological mother, and then all of a sudden you realize uh, Maddie has she's been in control now. She has gained the the power in there again. Uh, how she figured this out in the matter of seconds, I, I don't know. But you know you you gotta you gotta go with it because I think it, it, it was a, an interesting way. Uh, she had done the same thing to him that he has done to her when he was doing horrible things. He made her think that she was just living her normal life. When in actuality, he had control of her body and was killing people. She did the reverse of that. Uh, she took control of him, made him think that he was killing people when in all actuality, she was in control and uh, and Sydney and her mother, their mother, were were perfectly safe. And she locks uh, Gabriel in a like a mental cage, literally a mental cage, and uh, and says that she's in control now, and that uh, he's never gonna get out. And it was a you know it was a happy ending. You know I'm I'm all about having real endings. I don't mind an ending where uh, the good guys don't win. I don't mind an ending where uh, good people uh, get killed. And that's the end of it. Uh, that's why, you know, I like uh, Stephen King's The Mist. I like the message of hope that Stephen King wrote at the, the end of that story. And how it was left open-ended. And that, you know, these people may have found uh, salvation somewhere. But I also like Frank Darabont's adaptation where this, you know, this may be set up uh, long after the end of Stephen King's uh, novella and hope has run out and, uh, you know, David Drayton has to do the, the unthinkable thing. 
and you know pull a bullet in the people he cares about his son his his, his young son uh so because he made a promise that he won't let the monsters get him uh and then to find out salvation was just mere minute away uh you know that sort of uh, those kind of endings don't bother me uh so i would have been fine if this had a dark ending to it but I like that it had uh, kind of a happy ending. And, of course, it always sets up. Nobody makes a movie anymore uh, without uh, at least one sequel in mind. So it really kind of left things open to a possible sequel. We'll talk about my thoughts about that, um, what I hope doesn't happen uh, a little later. But, um, but Gabriel's locked up in her brain, and she saved her... Uh, adoptive sister from from harm and they have that uh that hug it out moment and she comes to the realization as we talked about earlier she was wanted a child so badly because all she wanted was to feel a blood connection to somebody you know she was adopted and she didn't know her birth mother she didn't know she had an evil uh conjoined twin brother uh she she just she felt alone, and I think that contributed to the sadness that her character exuded in, in the beginning of the the movie, and she just wanted that blood connection, but she came to the realization that you know she didn't need a blood connection. She already had a sister uh, in Sydney that was there and would do anything for her, uh, was looking after her, even though uh, her, her husband, Derek, had kind of come between them. Uh, they alluded to that earlier in the movie, but uh, but she had that connection that she'd so desperately longed for. Men up in blood, but it was stronger than that because you know it was a bond of love, and uh, that was kind of a, a theme of this uh, movie that I really liked. But uh, but then it ends. You see, uh, at the very end, they don't do any uh, mid credit or PS scenes. I don't think this movie needed that. But uh, as as we're about to. Cut to black, cut to credits. Uh, you hear the the electricity and the light bulb kind of buzz a little bit. Kind of that sound, uh, that sound design that they would do when uh, Gabriel was about and making mischief. So uh, there again, like I said, nobody nobody makes a movie these days without sequels in mind or a franchise in mind. So I don't know as if this is the last time we'll see Gabriel, but. I really like this movie. Uh, I thought James Wan did a great job. Uh, I I enjoyed it because, it, like I said, it it subverted my expectation. I saw the trailer, and I thought this was going to be some sort of psychological, uh, you know, there's a ghost or some sort of malevolent force, kind of like you get with with Insidious or The Conjuring. I thought it was going to be a ghost story, a haunted house story, a possession story, something like that. And and it does kind of feel like that at the beginning. Uh, a lot of those scenes that they cut the trailer with uh, kind of gave it that feel. Uh, but it was so much more than that. It was There were so many different layers to it, uh, so many different, you know, it's, it's one part uh, psychological ghost story type of, of movie. It's another part... Um, slasher film is there's a little bit of action in it uh there's just a lot going on and there's so many different influences in this movie this movie and this story really felt like um if you took 
the dark half by Stephen King uh, with the whole twin and the you know the the other twin being inside uh, the one's head uh, if you take the dark half and basket case with the body horror of the little arms and and that uh, that really stuck with me all throughout this movie as I'm watching any scenes they had with Gabriel when he's attached to uh, Maddie's back. It just reminded me of the basket case uh, guy on the uh, on her back uh, with tinier arms. But you take uh, the dark half basket case and Halloween and put them in a blender. That's kind of what uh, what I felt like you got with this movie in all the best ways. Uh, it had a very much of a slasher film feel to it. Uh, a lot of uh, Michael Myers, uh, the things John Carpenter did with Michael Myers, uh, as the shape, uh, you know, images in the distance, uh, silhouettes and things like that. He, he really played off of, of that kind of horror, uh, very much akin to, to what John Carpenter did in Halloween. James Wan uh, kind of pulled off that sort of um, type of uh, uneasiness. It just brought about a, a terror. Uh, like I said, you know, you're looking over your shoulder to see if the, the creature or the shape is walking up behind you sort of feel. And that's, uh, I was reading some interviews and uh, that's one of the things James Wan said that uh, he was really inspired by those uh those slasher movies from the uh, from the 80s and, and maybe the, even the early 90s and that he kind of wanted to uh kind of go back to that and uh give off that sort of vibe he said it, those types of movies you follow the main character and you follow them through the eyes of the the murderer the slasher and uh and that's kind of what he did with this. And I, I thought it really came across very well. I mean, like I said, you know, watching this, it, it kind of felt uh, like a like a slasher movie of the 80s. You know, when he had that, uh, that uh, Caduceus symbol that he turned into the knife. And just some of the, the kills with that. The uh, second doctor that he kills while he's sleeping is, is so brutal and so gruesome and it was one of those um kind of kills where like i almost winced and had to turn away a little bit i was like oh that's disgusting what he did to that guy's face uh but it it worked and it it left you just chilled at the the brutality and that's you know some of the best of the slasher films uh from the 80s you know kind of had that feel to it where the, the deaths were so gruesome and, and you, you want to look away, but you can't. And uh, that's one of the things I, I really enjoyed about this movie was the fact that he, he kind of paid homage to, to some of those, those great slasher movies, you know, uh, Halloween, I, I think is probably uh, the best representation because like I said, he used a lot of, of uh, silhouette and things off in the distance that you're you're just barely seeing and then bam it's there the bad guy but uh but that's a that's a thing that you know uh, a style that, that a lot of those uh slasher movies of the 80s uh really used to great effect 
but I think John Carpenter and, and Halloween was probably one of the best examples of that and probably brought that into, you know, that's, he's, he's, you know, the kind of guy, he's the guy that really, um, uh, can you say he started the slasher franchise or the slasher, uh, you know, subgenre of horror? Uh, maybe, probably. Uh, he's the one that brought it into the mainstream, I think, with, with Halloween. Uh, so James Wan, I think, did a great job of a paying homage to that and uh, and kind of playing off of that vibe. And I also enjoyed some of the special effects in this. Uh, usually with, with horror movies, I don't like a lot of CG and special effects because especially fake blood, CG blood is just the worst. Uh, one of my biggest gripes about the the new It movies was the CG blood and CG teeth when that stuff could have all done been done practical. Uh, it just takes me out because it looks fake. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of CG uh, unless it is intermingled with uh, practical and used to enhance practical but the cg in this was not necessarily the horror but the environment and the transitions between maddie in the real world and when she starts to see um what gabriel's doing it's kind of like she's seeing through his eyes uh him murdering these people and she thinks it's the psychic link between the two of them uh when in all actuality she is there she her body is doing these things she's just seeing through gabriel's eyes but the the transition uh of the the environment she's in going from the mental image she has of being uh, about her daily life doing normal things and that transition to her being with gabriel and him killing somebody the the transitions were just so well done i don't know as if i've seen um dissolves like that of of background that uh, you know i'm not a i'm not a special effects kind of guy so i don't know what all that's technically the technical terminology for all that is but it was almost like as if reality and smoke were one if 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 reality just kind of uh, wafted away like smoke, I, I, for lack of a better term. I'd, uh, it was just really cool. Uh, really good special effects in this and, um, and really good acting. That was, that was one thing. I, I wasn't familiar with a lot of the actors in this. And that's what I like. I do like that. When you can get actors that maybe aren't, you know, your big top draw stars uh, putting on great performances uh, that's great because you know you get some big name and it just takes you out because it's like oh that's uh, Tom Cruise essentially does Tom Cruise playing you know that's Tom Cruise playing an airplane pilot that's Tom Cruise playing a samurai that's you know there are just some actors that uh, they, they're just themselves for the most part uh, just doing Jack Nicholson is the same thing Jack Nicholson plays everything as jack nicholson and there's there's not much depth uh not to say that jack nicholson is not a great actor but if you're looking for him to play a character uh that character better act like jack nicholson uh so those types you know when, when you get certain actors to play roles it can really take it out of a movie especially a horror movie uh but this you know all these actors and actresses i've you know, I've seen some of them here and there. 
Uh, they're not big names that I that I've overly familiar with, but they all did such a fantastic job. Annabelle Wallace, uh, who played Maddie, uh, Maddie slash Emily, she did a fantastic job. Uh, Maddie Hasten, uh, who played Sydney, uh, did a spectacular job. Like I said, George Young, I think was a probably the he to me was a rock star in this, as well as uh, Michelle Brianna White. Who played uh, Regina Moss, his his detective partner? Uh, she she added the you know the little bits of uh, comedy one liners uh, here and there sprinkled throughout, and she did it so well, so nonchalantly that it didn't take it out of the out of the movie. It didn't take it out of the out of the tension when when it you know was still a little bit more of a tense scene. Uh, it really was well-timed uh her comedic timing on these lines was was great and it was never done in a way like i said earlier it was never done as a wink to the audience it was you know all of the jokes were written uh little funny one-liners were written uh like real movies i mean this wasn't these you know self-aware moments that you get in some movies uh they were natural and organic jokes that somebody like myself, I, I'm a wisecracker and, uh, you know, I could see myself saying some of these things, but, uh, Regina Moss, uh, that character, um, <laughs> was so funny and her little jabs at, uh, at the Shaw character were, were, were really good. And like I said, some much needed levity in a movie that really, um, had a lot of atmosphere, a lot of weight to it, a lot of tension to it. So uh, I thought the cast was fantastic. Um, you know, all the other kind of uh, side characters were were really well were really well well cast, and, and they all did a fine job. And will we see any of these characters come back for a malignant two? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, uh, most of the time, a lot of these uh, movie studios, they they want uh, IP, intellectual property, and they want to, to make bank on as, as much as they can. And if that means, you know, putting out a sequel or two, uh, they'll do it, uh, whether it needs it or not. I don't think this needs a sequel. Uh, they left it open-ended to where there could be a sequel. Uh, I My worry about sequels um is if it doesn't make enough money um the movie that some of these studios will you'll have a great movie and then they'll do a sequel but they'll do it with maybe half the budget and that kind of flops but it's got big enough of an audience that maybe it's just barely making money so then they'll do a third uh, another sequel and they'll cut the budget again, and this one's going uh, direct to video, and it's kind of dilutes the it it kind of dilutes the the whole story and and the whole franchise, and you know the uh, great world that was created in the first one. Uh, so I, I I hope I hope that doesn't happen with this. Um, if they are going to do a sequel, I hope they give it the the treatment. Like you know, James Wan uh, has has done quite well with sequels. I mean, saw how many sequels have, has that movie had for God's sake? Uh, but you know, Insidious 
Uh, he, now he's he's getting ready to work on the fifth installment of that franchise. The Conjuring has had multiple uh, you know uh, iterations of that franchise, and as far as sequels, uh, so you know he. And and I haven't seen all of those sequels, but the ones I have seen, uh, I've been impressed that the quality is still there. So I, I don't think James Wan would let uh, something that he helped create be diluted down like that. But uh, but that's always a a concern of mine when it comes to horror sequels, is that the diluting of the property, and uh, hopefully that doesn't happen with this. Like I said, I, I could see this getting a sequel. It probably will get a sequel, depending on how the box offices are. Uh, I, I worry about that too, because you know this was a theatrical release, but it was also released on HBO Max. So you know, is the box office going to take a hit for that? Who knows? But uh, but we'll see. I guess uh, sometime in the I would imagine not too distant future. So. Check it out if you get a chance. Uh, James Wan, uh, not not his best film uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's got a lot of great horror films under his belt. But uh, despite what you may hear from some critics, uh, I, I really enjoyed this. I was checking out Rotten Tomatoes, and right now it's, it's right about 77%, I think it was. Last I checked, uh, the audience reviews were uh, about 50%, but... Uh, I've seen some some reviews where people are kind of uh, panning it. Uh, don't listen to that crap. Uh, and that's what it is, crap. It's just somebody's opinion. Somebody that thinks they know better than anyone else uh, what is good and what isn't. And granted, I may be considered one of those at some point or another. But, uh, but when I talk about movies, uh, you know, it's, uh, there are things I like, there are things I don't like. But I would never tell you to don't see this movie because uh, of this, that, or the other thing. Watch it for yourself. You might agree with what I've said about this movie. You might disagree completely uh, to the good or the ill. Uh, I don't know, but draw your own conclusion. Hopefully, from me talking about this, uh, it either validated some of the things you had seen and some of the things you were thinking about in regards to this movie. Maybe it made you think, oh, well, I didn't look at it that way. Um, uh, or, or maybe you're like, that guy is a complete moron. He did not watch the same movie I watched. Either way, it's all in good fun. And uh, hopefully, if you haven't watched this movie, you do check it out. Because if you like horror, uh, if you like the stuff James Wan puts out, uh, as I do, uh, I think you're going to like this. Like I said, a little suspension of disbelief never hurt anyone. <laughs> So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, tune in. We've got a new episode coming up on Thursday where I'm hoping to be able to uh, get in a review on the new movie, a new anthology movie just in time for Halloween uh, called Bad Candy. Uh, now it hits, it hit theaters, limited theaters um, this past week. And, uh, but it's not hitting direct to video, um, which is how I'm going to have to watch it until uh, like just a couple days or a day or so before before our next podcast. So um, hopefully I'm going to be able to get to watch that and then jump right into my 
home studio and and do a podcast episode uh, talking about Bad Candy because I love uh, anthology horror and I love anthology horror that uh, kind of uh, intermingles Halloween because that is uh, that's one of my favorite times of year and we're we're coming up on it so uh, hopefully we have that to look forward to on Thursday but uh, but keep keep an ear out keep an eye out check out our Facebook page odds Bodkins curiosity shop on Facebook and uh, I try to keep everyone up to date on new episodes uh, upcoming episodes and you know trailers and information articles I see about uh, all things horror fantasy and science fiction and uh, we've got uh, a lot to look forward to in the next uh, month and a half because October uh, and September my favorite time of year because like I said we're getting into that Halloween season and uh, right now there happens to be a lot a lot of movies and TV shows and and, and whatnot coming out. Uh, I'd like to talk about a book sometime here in the near future, but we've just been inundated with so many great horror films, uh, fantasy and sci-fi films, that uh, it's kind of hard to get them all in uh, when you're doing uh, two shows a week. But but I'm going to do my best, and uh, you can keep uh, up to date on all of that on the Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop Facebook page. So like us there, like some posts, share it all, uh, share this podcast. If you know anybody that loves horror, fantasy, sci-fi, uh, we talk about it, TV, films. Uh, like I said, we're going to do some books. Going to talk about some uh, music as well because uh, I'm a big metal fan and uh, metal always uh, one of the musical genres that really delves into a lot of the same uh, stories that uh, that we get horror and fantasy and sci-fi from. So uh, I love the the marriage of those two, and we're going to talk about some some albums. Uh, got a new album from Iron Maiden that is out that we're going to be talking about here uh, in the next uh, couple week or two, something like that. You can catch the uh, schedule on the uh, Facebook page. But thanks everyone. Please share, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your grandma, you know she likes being scared. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!